Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Eating Habits podcast. On this week's episode, I catch up with Jamie Huff of Redfish Mafia Charters in Charleston, South Carolina. We talk about everything from his appearance on Master Chef to cooking for Darius Rucker and even starting a rescue charity for victims of natural disasters. It's a truly fascinating conversation. Jamie is a hilarious guy, really energetic and passionate about what he does. Um, and I think you guys are really going to like his story. Enjoy the show. Uh, my name is Captain Jamie Huff uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, and you're watching, well, I guess, and listening to Eating Habits as of right now. That's it. Thanks. What's up, what's, Jamie? What's up, Jamie? Welcome aboard. Thanks, brother. I appreciate oh, you. No, wait, that's out. your line. Oh, welcome Captain aboard, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what's up, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time to do this. Absolutely, man. It's uh, I had nothing better to do today. Yeah. And, what's uh, up with that? It's a even beautiful had, Charleston day out here. I'm like. If, I know. If if I weren't recording a podcast, I'd probably be out fishing. Right there in Colonial Lake. What are you doing here? Um, <laughs> What's you know, going on, man? Here's the deal, man. I blew a powerhead in, in December, December okay. 8th. I don't know what that exact. means. Uh, I blew a very expensive piece of equipment on the motor. So uh, internal combustion engine explodes naturally. And this is for your fishing boat? Yeah. So I haven't been able to run charters since then. I'll get back into it next week. So we're looking at four and a half months. Uh, which has given me a, a great opportunity and a lot of time to, to get more uh, in-depth with the cooking. Yeah. Um, and and music, which is, you know, one of the things. We'll, we'll touch on that, I guess. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I love concerts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not a musician. Let's make that clear. Who's your favorite musician? <laughs> oh, man. Don't do it. There's a bunch of them. Darius Rucker's awesome. <laughs> is that what you're, is that what you're looking right for? Off, right off you the rip. To, you planted the seed. Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to have to circle back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when you, uh, when you reached out, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do this. Even yeah. if I had had other stuff to do, I would have canceled everything. So how did we meet? You remember? Was it at, was I knew it about you food? before we met though. Uh, okay. no, uh, T my producer on MasterChef yep. was your producer on top chef. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. and oddly enough, everybody thinks that I was on top chef and I wasn't. Yes. You and I don't Master think it's chef. because we look alike. I think no. it's just because top you're about three feet taller than me. Right. <laughs> Uh, but you're a way better chef than I am. So uh, you're better looking. The minute well, I appreciate that. <laughs> the minute you guys opened up Tempest, uh, being a fisherman, yeah. and hearing the whole fish eat everything, utilize the whole fish concept. I was like, we got to go. Yeah. And so uh, I reached out to you and I told you we were that, coming yeah. in, and um, you you know so graciously came downstairs and and met yeah. everybody in the party. You know, all both of us. Yeah. Uh, my wife and, and I. So it was um, it was a it was a very incredible dinner. Uh, awesome. and it set the stage for, I must've sent you guys in the past two or three years, probably a hundred, uh, a hundred tables. Awesome, man. Just Thank because, you. yeah, no worries. Appreciate I mean, it. It, it, it's worth it. We need you to send us some of that fish and I want to touch on that Yeah, because you can't get red fish around. You guys are it's like, illegal. you guys got that shit on lock. What's well, illegal to, yeah. to keep them. Okay. Uh, unless you're within a, a certain slot, but you can keep them if you, if you charter, if you charter on your boat, like if you take me out fishing, you as can a charter, keep two. You can keep two. Mm-hmm. And they but have, to, they be have to be between 15 and 23 inches. Yeah. But one of the laws in South Carolina, Florida didn't have this law for a long time. So when I was down there charter fishing, uh, we sold a lot of our catch if mm-hmm. the people didn't want it. Uh, South Carolina has never allowed that. Yeah. If you're making money from a charter, you yeah. cannot make money by selling the fish. Gotcha. Um, so we have several fish here that are considered game fish, and they're mm-hmm. under that game fish description legally. Mm-hmm. Uh, sea trout's one, the, which is, is one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites too, man. That's such a delicious fish, absolutely, with the oil content. But it's not, but it's not like hardcore oily, like a like a mackerel or a. It reminds me of a scamp. Yeah, it's so good. You get that little juice from a scamp. Mm-hmm. You, I can almost drink it out of the bowl. Yeah, you know when it's coming out of the oven. Uh, What's your favorite fish to go after? Uh, To go after, as far as just catching, yeah, bull reds, blue marlins, tarpon. uh, You like none of which you like going for the big fish. Well, I cut my teeth blue marlin fishing and sail fishing and tarpon fishing. Got uh, it in the Florida Keys and in the Caribbean, South America. Cool. Um, And then you know, when I was a freshman in college, I started my charter business here inshore fishing, and then I would spend half the year here in school after that, and then a half a year traveling uh, to pay for school, uh, Uh, essentially. Do you know cricket? 
Cricket's one of my homies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. he's a I good I told dude. him if he ever fishes Michael Jordan in Charleston again without calling me, I'll burn his house. <laughs> he's uh, awesome. I actually talked to him the other day. I was wondering if he'd been out doing any fishing, but I guess he's been busy with, you know, Man, kids, he's kids making kids and 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 uh he's, and, and he's busy oysters, with that oyster making business. kids and oysters yeah. you know deja's doing the kids he's doing the oysters yeah. you know cool. but i told him if he keeps eating all the oysters he's just gonna have more kids right yeah right that's what <laughs> they say right? down, a downward spiral <laughs> that's too funny so you started with the the big fish offshore what brought you what what got you into the inshore fishing is it just uh i didn't want to wait tables yeah. um you know I, I waited tables and worked in restaurants when i was in high school why not and you know my friends were making <laughs> two three hundred dollars a week in 1995 uh waiting tables and um you know we i didn't come from money uh i think my allowance back then was 400 dollars a month and that had to include my rent mm-hmm. um you know but it was also 1700 dollars a semester to go to college charleston right so you know it was a pretty good trade-off yeah yeah uh, and so I decided to <laughs> hope she's not listening. <laughs> Stephanie Menon that owned Menon Fabergé company lived across the street from my parents in Polly's, but she was there maybe one month out of the year. And we had an arrangement. Uh, I could use her boat, her John boat, as long as I kept her grass cut. So I cut the grass all summer and then borrowed her John boat. I don't think she knew I was going to bring it down here. Uh, and then <laughs> for, for like a few weeks, I got into flounder fishing because that's all you do in Polly's Island. Yeah. There were no redfish. There were no trout back then. Everybody flounder fished and that was it. And, uh, so we got into that and I realized real quick that I could make way more money in a four hour trip than my, my buddies were making in a week of waiting tables, ah. you know? Um, and you don't want to be up all night and then try to do well in school. Whether or not I did well in school is irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, are you, so are you saying that you went fishing so that you could do well in school? Uh, so that, that I could at least pay for it. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know? got it. But then you, you wind up having extra money and a keg party every weekend is not a bad idea. Uh, right. And at the College of Charleston, having a boat uh, puts you on the top of the list with the ladies. That's also not a bad idea. So all you uh, and so we're using this borrowed boat this whole time. No, I, I <laughs> did. Bought, you end up getting your yeah, own boat at the end of '96, uh, which was my end of my freshman year. I bought a boat. Um, three buddies, uh, me and Ryan Higgins and Brian Scott. So Ryan Higgins uh, is one of the top guys at Viking Yachts now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all moved to the Keys together that summer. Went to the Keys for spring break my freshman year. I was like, I'm moving down here. Yeah, it's and uh, I went ahead and got my captain's license. Went down there. I didn't tell him I had it. Yep. Uh, we all second made it on boats until we got a job, and um, and then I bought Ryan's uh, flats boat that summer, and then that was the beginning of flat spot charters. So summer '96. So I guess we're looking at you know August will be 27 years, 28 years. Sweet. It's been a long time. Yeah. So it's been working out well for you then. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. No crashes yet. Uh, that's a win. Notable. Anyway. The, boat, the boat still floats. That's the always the boat floats, is. You know, um, still catching fish. Yeah, still catching fish. The loving it as much as I used to. Uh, I don't hop on a boat and just naturally say, "I'm glad to be on a boat today." Mm. Uh, like you, like I yeah. used to, and like most people do, if they're not on a boat every day. Yep. If we're not absolutely jacking the fish, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm but that's what keeps me on my toes. Yeah, and, and it makes sure that I give. Uh, I give everybody 110%. Yeah. You know? The minute I stop giving it 110%, I'll quit fishing. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, have you noticed, have you noticed, I mean, you've been doing it long enough around here that the, the, um, fish the amount, the amount of fish it's, it's in, in shambles. Sh- is it really? Yeah, man. So What's when I started, on? there was nine of us, nine guides. Yep. Now there's over 500 licensed. Uh, so there's typically just like- another 10% that aren't, uh, and this new I don't know, generation or group or gap of guides that are coming in. Um, they feel the only way, some of them, I won't, I don't want to put them all in the same yeah, category, yeah. but, uh, some of them feel the only way to, to maintain, uh, the business and to gain new clients and keep them coming back is to kill fish. Mm-hmm. What they don't understand is that they're dictating now who their clientele are going to be in 10 or 15 years. Right. You know, my clients have known for 15, 20 years that we don't kill redfish, period. Yeah. They're my business partners. Yeah. It's ludicrous to think you can go out there and kill them every day. Right. You want to be the best fisherman around, right? Yeah. You want to go catch as many as possible. So theoretically, you're going to go catch your limit every day. Mm-hmm. There can't, there's not enough fish to sustain that. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't get the Gulf. Uh, there's a mentality down there and they, they kill their 25 trout per person and their five reds per person every trip. Mm. They do one trip a day. When the trip, when they get their limit, they come home. They mm-hmm. don't stay there catching yeah. until the time's up. And their goal is to be home by like 10 a.m. Right. 
uh, they get an influx of fish from the Gulf of Mexico every time the wind blows out of the south. Yeah. We don't get an influx of migratory fish right. unless it's bull reds in the summer. Um, which takes me to another point. These people, they're learning how to catch these bull reds, but they're not learning how to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And those fish are going to lay two, three, four hundred thousand eggs a summer. Uh, and they'll do it for a hundred years. Yeah. Wow. A redfish can no get up way. to a hundred years old. Yeah. That's crazy. So you don't take care of one that's yeah. only bred for 15 years. You're eliminating, you know, mm-hmm. plus 75, 80 years of breeding from that fish. So what's your, so what's your take on the, the, the keeping policy? Do you keep any fish or do um, you, Yeah. So or when you're not spawning, we'll kill sea trout. Yeah. Uh, I'll kill some, uh, November, December is the best months of the year for sea trout. Yep. Uh, numbers wise, we catch a bunch and they're good size. What, what are the limits on, on sea trout? So it's, uh, it's 10 per person okay. per day. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if we had four clients on the boat, yeah. we could keep 40. Yeah. Not allowed to keep the guides limit. Yeah. My boat rule is we don't keep over 20. Yeah. I mean, 40 is a ton of fish. Man. Like, dude, you got to have a ton of friends. You're going to be, be throwing to... fillets away. Yeah. Yeah. Or, so my other rule is kind of unwritten. in the freezer. You're exactly. throwing the freezer for six months. You're and what's be the point of that? to make room for the new ones. Yeah. Because you don't want to be more than a year old. Right. Um, but I tell people we don't feed the neighbors. Yep. If they want to, if they want to have fish fry, tell them to book a trip. Yeah. Know? Come on out. And we don't put them in the freezer. Yeah. Um, but those are the only two months that I'll really kill them. Okay. Uh, and the main reason is because it's right before our coldest part of the year, which is January, February. If you're going to have a freeze typically about every five or six years, um, then you've just killed fish that were probably going to die anyway. Right. And I hate to, I hate to do that saying, well, they were going to die. It's like the hunt club mentality. Yeah, right. If I don't shoot it, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. Um, but our trout population is pretty strong. Yeah. The time of year we shouldn't keep them and I don't keep them is right now, yeah. April and May. Okay. Because they're, they're spawning. Yeah, they're getting fired up for the Yeah, they're the warm. spawning hard right yeah. now. Um, the old are, they, are, they, are they good fishing this time? Like this time of year, are they just, right now can you just great. grab them like crazy? They're so, no, nah, I wouldn't say like crazy. Yeah. Um, you can't go through artificials like you do in the winter. Yeah. Uh, we have to use real light leaders, long leaders, small hooks, live bait. Um, you know, we, we throw little tiny menhadens that are just now showing up mm-hmm. and, uh, we watch them eat them on the surface, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Super light tackle. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, unfortunately the, the over 65 crowd still kills them this time of year. Yeah. And so you're eliminating those fish from spawning. Mm-hmm. If they were to shut down, uh, if the DNR were to shut down April and May and make it a no kill, you know, time of year, yep. um, it, our, our trout population would boom. We would be a trophy trout destination yeah. like Mosquito Lagoon or, you know, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, I, I really, I've been pushing for years for that to happen. Yeah. You, you want them to close for certain. I wish they would close like, keeping them. Yeah. You know, th- there's no law anywhere in the U S that says you can't catch. Right. You because do, it's, it's, it's all about, literally it's all about keeping no way for the average yeah. fisherman to dictate yeah. whether you catch. So I get people all the time like, what can we catch? I'm like, we can catch anything. Yeah. You try to catch anything. Whether you can keep it or not, is a different ball game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wish they would shut it down so that you can't keep, we let all the big girls go this time of year. Yeah. You know, if you catch them and they're drumming, yeah. then they're males. So the yeah. males drum, yep. the females don't drum. Got it. Uh, they're flexing their sperm diaphragm. Okay. Uh, I tell them, my clients it means that they like you, you know? <laughs> nice um so you gotta make it personal right yeah. redfish <laughs> like, are in the right. same category you know they're not at sea trout are, actually aren't a trout yeah they're in the drum family yeah oh really yeah i didn't know that it's it's odd but yeah. uh you know that's the deal they kind of look like a, a rainbow trout but not really what's the toughest what's the toughest catch uh for you out there if you're out there and you, you want to go for the elusive the elusive catch. What is it? What is it? I mean, here, Tar, because everything is elusive catch for me. I'm an awesome <laughs> fisherman and I can't catch right. anything. Like so, if I catch, if I catch on, a, like a guppy, I'm like, woo! Right. <laughs> you know? Um, tarpon are, are probably the hardest here to catch. Okay. Uh, I spent a lot of years catching them in the Keys. Yeah. I won't even take tarpon trips here anymore because I, I like catching them. Yeah. I don't like getting 50 shark bites to catch a tarpon. And I don't like taking people's money and then them not getting yeah. what they wanted out mm-hmm. of the deal, which was to catch a tarpon. So Corey and I did that one time. We went out. We, we chartered a boat. We were still living in Charlotte at the time. And mm-hmm. we were like, let's get out on the water. Let's go fish a river. And um, so we, we chartered a boat. We went out and um, it was not a great experience. Really? And we caught nothing. Well, let me ask you this. We though. caught nothing. How about and your still guide? Paid for the, and still paid for the trip. But how was your guide? Uh, not great. See, and that's the kicker. Fifty <laughs> percent of this. I think he was wasted. It's just like being on a cooking show. <laughs> yeah, I right? think he was hammered. You don't. You could be the best cook out there. Yeah. If you don't have a good personality, yeah, you're going to be awful on the show. Yep. It's the same thing with being a fishing guy. Yeah. You have to be able to entertain your people uh, yeah. when the fishing's not at its best. Yeah. You also have to be able to entertain your people while in your mind you're thinking about the next five moves. Yeah. Which is kind of yeah. what makes it. 
I won't say makes it easy because I've, I, I mean, I challenge myself a lot and I have a difficult time in the kitchen sometimes, mm -hmm. but that's what makes it easier for me. I think than mm -hmm. the average person, I'm always thinking about five or six steps Yeah, because it, well, I can have six or seven pans going, you yep. know, the deal oh, yeah. timing is everything. Yep. Well, it's the same on a boat. Yeah. The difference is nobody's lives are in the palm of my hand yeah. when I'm in the kitchen. Right. Except, except for your own. own. <laughs> yeah. Except for your own. Exactly. <laughs> Assuming we don't have some large scale fire. You right. Know? Right. Um, so, you know, that's the deal. I, I really like catching what people think we can't catch. Yeah. And I really like cooking what people think I can't cook. Yeah. Which is why I'm getting more into the Asian and Indian cuisine. Uh, cool. Let's talk yeah. about that. So let's talk about your cooking career. How that's So that kind of kicked off. I'm still waiting on it to be, yeah. you know, at the career level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it kicked off because of MasterChef, yeah. honestly. So how, how did, so how did you, how does uh, uh, Polly's Island Fisherman decide to get on national TV? Well, that's not at all what happened. Okay. Uh, I didn't really decide to get on national TV. <laughs> okay. Um, Did you lose a bet? <laughs> no, I, I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. But this makes a better story. So we're, we're out at Red Drum, which is one of my favorite spots. Ben yep. Berryhill's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and it was like a Thursday night, maybe June or July. No, it was probably April or May. Okay. And uh, a buddy of mine from college had married this girl, and she was with another girl who had just recently gotten divorced, and her husband uh, worked for a network. Okay. I, I guess at that point in time, it must have been Fox. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark's wife introduced me as somebody who likes to cook. We go to dinner at their house three or four nights a week because it's hard to cook well for two people. Sure. So we have yeah. three or four nights a week. We have I still can't do it. Start. <laughs> I invited him over last night. You missed yep. out on the fish cakes, by the way. And the mac and peas uh, and the red rice. Oof. I know. Uh, and I smoked a bunch of grouper heads. I love I love just getting fish heads yeah. from Abundant. Yep. Just smoking grouper heads and picking them. And like tonight yeah. we'll make fish tacos with smoked grouper head meat. Nice. You know? That At any rate, awesome. Uh, so the, they're coming tonight. <laughs> Some other more. people are coming tonight. So, you know, she's like, we, we like to go eat at their house. Well, if you like to cook, let me send you this email. I was like, all right, cool. Forward me the email. Uh, 1.30 in the morning I get home, you know, after few libations, yeah. a little inebriated. Yeah. And uh, I filled out this application and completely forgot. And I never Classic get calls. Move. You, you can laugh. It's fun. Classic move. Yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of other things I do at 1.30. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, completely like, forgot. Huh? I've ordered guns online. Yeah. Completely forgot. Uh, wait, who, who ordered? Why yeah. is UPS Why is this coming? here? Yeah. Like, oh, I've already got a charger, but you ordered another yeah. one. Um, so i'm getting phone calls from california and nobody ever books a trip from california yeah ever in the history were of you dodging that career. call you saw the number come up you're like i just I'm not i answering. was like i don't owe school money school loans yeah. right uh my auto warranty is not expired because i buy a new <laughs> truck every three years and i'm pretty sure i don't qualify for medicaid right yeah not quite yet those are really the only three calls i get from california <laughs> so like a month later i answer the phone i'm like what and this gay girl on the other end, who happens to be a really good friend of mine now, his name is Winston Avalos, okay. was one of the wranglers for MasterChef. Nice. And the reason I say gay guy, because yeah. when you answer the phone and there's a flamboyantly gay guy screaming at you on yeah. the other end, yeah. you take note and it, it means a little yeah. more. Yeah, like like I instantly would have hung up. Yeah. It had just been a regular dude screaming. I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, yeah, up. yeah. I'm not listening to you. Why haven't you been answering your phone? And I'm like, why would I answer my phone? Yeah. California goes, well, you need to be downtown tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. to do your signature dish for MasterChef. I'm like, well, what's my signature dish? You know, Yeah, what does that mean? I forgot I filled this thing out yeah. and put my signature dish, which was oh, shrimp it was on the and grits haphazardly. Okay. Of course. Like 90% of the people that showed up <laughs> yeah. that day. I think out of 1,200 people, there was like 500 and change that did shrimp and grits. So, was that here in Charleston? Did it they was do it? Oh, at the Jesus. Culinary Institute. It was a god dang at the end of March. Shrimp and grit cook off. Evidently, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I was like, man, I can't be there at 10. I have to fish tomorrow. What do you mean you have to fish? Nobody has to fish. I'm like, dude, that's what I do for a living. Yeah. Did you not read my yeah. application? I'm sure I'll put that down. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know what I put my signature dish as, but yeah. I know I put my occupation down as a fisherman. <laughs> right. And so at one o'clock, I show up and uh, with a Traeger in the back and a cast iron pan and made shrimp and grits in the parking lot. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool uh, <laughs> until I went in and they made me wait like six hours. Yeah. You're like, oh, this a, is going to be cold. Just <laughs> a, yeah. Well, evidently I had it in a K2 bag cooler yeah, and yeah. stuff and, uh, you know, it was cold, but so was everybody else's. Okay, good. Um, and then of course the, the guys from the show aren't there, you know, my, right. in my naivety, I'm thinking Gordon Ramsay's going to be here. Oh yeah. This guy's going to taste my dish. You know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know who Joe was. I'd never seen MasterChef in my life. Yeah. So I didn't know what it entailed. 
Uh, had no idea until like two months later, we were going to be gone for, you know, up to 10 weeks. Yep. Putting a business on hold. And at that point, I only had two businesses, which was the apparel business and the fishing. And putting anything on hold when you're self-employed uh, with zero employees to take over. Right. Is a, it's a tough nut, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I went out there and uh, it took like four months in the process. I know I don't have any warrants. We did like a six-hour FBI background <laughs> search and lie detector test. And, and I thought for sure I wasn't going to be on the show because yeah, like, like one of these things is going yeah, to get me kicked off. There's like going to be a snack. One, one of them. Uh, they know everything about me though. And they yeah. still let me go on the show. I was like, y'all must have some really bad outfits. Yeah. <laughs> that um, makes for good TV. Yeah. They're like, Oh, this guy's going to rock. <laughs> and I feel like I did, you know, uh, you'll get a kick out of this though. I didn't get any PT after the first mise en place episode. PT, uh, playtime. Oh, okay. Or airtime. I call it PT cause I played sports, yeah, you know, gotcha. uh, that mise en place episode, we had to we had to clean a fish. Yeah, and so I go out there and after working on headboats you in high school, and, you slayed it. Yeah, but it was rose porgy. Okay, and of course Gordon's yeah. like silver snapper, silver snapper, snapper, yeah. snapper, snapper, <laughs> twenty seven times. Yeah, you're like uh uh-uh. uh. And afterwards they're like, we need. What do you think about cleaning that snapper? I'm like it wasn't a snapper. <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't a snapper? And I gave him the whole pauper dome story, oh, marketability geez. of That's fish. That's why he and, didn't get your PT. Well, no, they were like, we need you to say snapper. I was like, I'm not saying it's yeah, a snapper. Nope. All my friends that fish for a yeah. living are going to be like, what yeah, the fuck you're are you a talking tool. about? Yeah, he doesn't. What are you he talking knows about? It's not a snapper. <laughs> and so for like two episodes, they wouldn't put me on, on screen. <laughs> That's uh, funny. But if you go back and watch it, I don't think he says snapper one time. They edited oh, it they, all they out. Oh, they took yeah. it out. Yeah. They had yeah. a fisherman on there. You can't be like exactly. But you know, that's one of the things about the culinary world that frustrates me. A red fish is a snapper. That's like, that's it. Right. That's all they know. Exactly. <laughs> Beeliner, snapper. Yeah, it's a total snapper. Red snapper, snapper. Yeah. Yellow snapper, snapper. It's all snapper. Uh, it's kind of like the wreckfish rec- <laughs> conundrum. What is the wreckfish conundrum? There is a species called wreckfish, yeah. right? But there's a whole category of groupers and bottom dwellers called wreckfish. And it's really one of the yeah. things I hate about the culinary industry. I hate, I hate that stuff too. I'm like, I, I'm a straight shooter when it comes to like, menu descriptions, species stuff. Right. Cause I think that, I think it's important. It's well, like, you've like, also cut your teeth in the era where you're getting whole fish. Yeah. It's totally. not like they would yeah. just come as a filet and yeah, saran wrap like, well, like they used to. looks like a snapper. Right. I don't know. About the same size, same yeah, color. It looks like grouper. Who cares if yeah. Samberjack? Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, you know, so that, that whole part of the culinary world frustrates me enough that I was like, I'm not calling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not doing that. No. And so uh, what was that experience like for you on, uh, to be, so, you cooked, you, you enjoyed cooking before you, you know, filled out this, this right thing haphazardly, just kind of like, whatever, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, do you feel confident in your cooking skills before, you know, enough. Yeah. Uh, but I was also, I was a child actor. Okay. I know this is a whole nother. What? Uh, hey, I don't, okay. Don't, Hold up. <laughs> no, well, we can't really get into it a lot. It's just too much. Okay. Okay. Stop. <laughs> so the being in front of a camera didn't bother me at all. Okay. Where, and I felt like, so I had an edge on everybody else because yeah. everybody else is so nervous of the cameras. I'm like, bring, bring, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. I mean, I filmed two or three fishing shows a year, mm-hmm. just being on camera and being on stage, public speaking, that stuff just doesn't bother me. Um, I mean, I get a little bit nervous. I call it nervous. My wife's like, you're, that's not nervous. Yeah. You know, uh, you can't tell that I'm nervous. It's not visible. Um, uh, but in that studio, knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out here for six, eight, 10 weeks. Yep. Uh, if you do well, yeah, I still had never seen the show. I didn't know what it entailed. Yep. I didn't know these guys I was cooking for. I didn't know the enormity of Gordon Ramsay. I just yeah. heard his name before. Right. As far as I knew, he was like, you know, Emerald. Yeah. Uh, didn't know it was a whole different level. Mm-hmm. Um, also didn't know Aron was going to wind up being a, a good friend and one of the coolest dudes around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, on the other hand, still like he wouldn't even hug us or anything or shake <laughs> hands with us. We made top 10. He's like, mm-hmm. not until you make top six. I'm like, what if I don't get a top six, man? You at least shake my hand, dap it up a little bit or something, you know? Um, no, so being around those guys didn't bother me where other people were super nervous. Uh, and being around the people we were cooking for, I had no idea who Grant Atkins was when I cooked for him. Yeah. So I'm the redneck that made hoe cakes yeah. anyways for Grant Atkins. <laughs> yeah. And he loved it. Yeah. You know, that was the, that well, was the baller thing yeah. about it was it was a cool dish that you, you could tell that I wasn't doing it to press him. Right. And the only reason I did it is because I've been wanting to cook these three hoe cakes the whole time I was there. Yeah. And it was the first time they said, go crazy, cook yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Do your thing. It's a plating challenge. Yeah. So no ingredient boundaries, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah. So, you know, it was my favorite thing to cook. <laughs> and that might've there. been your advantage though. is like not knowing, you know, not, not being totally immersed in all the stuff. Right. 
I remember like, so it's hard to give a shit when you don't know what to give a shit about. Yeah. You know? Like, so when I did, I did the second tour on top chef for the all-star season. That's right. And I the forgot, first, yeah. the first episode of that season, I went into that season totally different than the first time. Right. The first time I was like terrified cause I'm not a competition chef. Right. I'm a restaurant chef. I do menus for people that come into my restaurant. Um, the second time I went, I was like, I'm just going to go and have fun. Cause now I know the drill, right? Like I'm a vet. I know what to do. Yeah. And the first, judges table was like all like the grand masters of culinary right like it was like it was a it was a finale table so i don't even know who to, who, would, who to think those people I mean, would be it was, like it's just not it, my it was like jeremiah tower it was just like all these like you know epic like restaurateurs right nervous and, all over again and it was like 12 of them for the first episode we're like cooking on the beach and it's like every major restaurateur in the yeah. u.s and we're i was just like this is fucking crazy that we for the first day you know, and so then the nervousness kicked in. I was like, oh shit. And we're on a beach. Yeah, but that's your thing though. Yeah. Seafood. Yeah, I did all right. It wasn't then. Oh, I was really? no. I mean, so I had I, I'm familiar with seafood and cook seafood a lot, but vegetables are my thing. Oh. I'm the veg guy. That's my jam. So open fire is still your thing then? Yeah, I love yeah. open fire. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. But anyway, so how so, yeah. did you get into cooking, Jimmy? No, this is about you. I've told my story. You got to go back and listen to, you got to listen to the other podcast. This I do. Is, yeah. You know, I've never listened to a whole podcast. Really? Ever, except the one for the ones we did for Roasting Goats. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I need to I get always into listen. it. I like listening to podcasts. I just, I, like, I listen to music. I got stuff. into podcasts after I have done so many interviews and stuff. Cause I got sick of telling my own story yeah. and I wanted to hear what other people's stories were. And that's honestly why I started doing this podcast too, is to like, I want to hear what other people do. Cause that's what inspires me. So oddly enough, we've got probably 150 hours of podcast. Uh, I have all the equipment. Uh -huh. We've got like 150 hours of it recorded and just haven't put it out there yet. Are you going to, I don't know. Yeah. At some point, I just don't know. I'm a perfectionist and it's kind of my mm. downfall. Yeah. Uh, I'm just getting to the point in my life where Let's just put it out. And if it sucks, it sucks. We'll make it better. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, well, it's got to be perfect or we can't put it out. Because the minute you think it's perfect, you find one that's mm -hmm. more perfecter. And you're yes. like, shit, it wasn't perfect. So I was, I was very much like that when we started um, our restaurant group. Like our first restaurant, man, was like the first three years was brutal. Now, what, what was that? Where was it? So it was called Five Church. It's now Church and Union oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. And that was our first restaurant like 11 years ago. And... You know, I was the chef partner or whatever. And we were, at that time, there weren't a ton of chef-driven restaurants in Charlotte. A lot of, like, steakhouses and corporate joints. And so, you know, me and my partners really wanted to change kind of the 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 playing field right. of, of food in Charlotte. And so, perfection, like, perfectionist mentality all the way. Like, everything had to be perfect. And it, it was it made me crazy. I mean, I was a little crazy anyways, but it made me even more crazy. Well, and then you realize that you're perfect and the customer's perfect. Are not so the same. And, and perfect doesn't exist. Right. And that's the thing, right? It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a ever-changing goalpost, right? So you never reach it. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the goal, you end up just chasing your ass. And it took a long time for me to kind of get to the point where I was like, okay, it doesn't need to be perfect, right? right? And that changed my... Well, and you can change it tomorrow night. Yeah, I can, change, I can change it whenever. Exactly. Well, and the beauty of it then is that, like, so then I had to figure out what we were striving for, right? And so then it became telling a story. It's like, okay, well, let's, because it's about connection. Food's about connection to me. Mm -hmm. It's about how you, you know, talk to people, how you communicate with it's them the through food. It's the only thing that everybody on the planet has to do. Right. So it's a powerful thing in that way. And if you think about it, people have, some of the strongest memories that people have are related to food. You know, because because it's a necessity. Well, right? the it's olfactory a, system, strongest yeah. memory, you know, uh, sense that you have. Am I not close enough? It's, it's because of this very uh, non-posture oriented cherry. Do you need a pillow? Here, no, I had to want... take the pillow out already. Oh, okay. I don't know what's going on. It's like cherry <laughs> from Pee Wee's Playhouse, but smaller. You know? Do we need to switch sides? Not that okay. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, about, oh, so the memories, right? And like, so... So everybody has to eat. You need to survive. And it's how your family nurtured you as, as you know, a youngster is feeding you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of your like powerful memories are related to that, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, so I, so I got away from like, it has to be perfect. 
and got more into like, what do, what story do we want to tell? Like, what is the purpose of this dish? What are we trying to go after? Are we talking about the ingredient, the technique, the whatever? And then cooking became a lot more fun. Right. Like even as a professional, I was like, you know what? Like we can, we can fuck around with this. Like even, even if it comes out not the way we envisioned it, it's still going to be excellent. Right. You know, because we follow good technique and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, how did your cooking change from being on the show? Uh, it changed a lot. I, I was a meat and three guy my whole okay. life. Um, you know, I was, I was born in North Myrtle Beach and uh, my, my grandparents on my mom's side were farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of farmers? Tobacco. But Whoa. I know. Do you smoke? <laughs> uh, no, he chewed matches because <laughs> he, he did that to quit smoking like 40 years earlier. Yeah. But uh, he was one of the top producers in South Carolina for RJ Reynolds for a long time. Gotcha. Um, but they lived in Loris, South Carolina. And uh, if anybody's familiar with Lawrence, you got the high school, then you got like a Hardee's or McDonald's and there's an end of a block and they had the brick house between the two and a one acre lot next door. And that one acre lot, they grew every kind of vegetable you can imagine, like two rows of peas, mm-hmm. two rows of okra, asparagus, broccoli, anything and everything you could grow. Yeah. They bought milk, eggs, cheese, and that was pretty much it besides like flour and stuff. Yeah. Um, awesome. And we wake up in the morning. So my, my work ethic came from this. My parents would send me up there for spring break and summers mm-hmm. and you know, four 30, you get up and it's biscuits and great. It's just three of us in the house now. And mm-hmm. two of them are over 60. In the sun. <laughs> yeah. So biscuits you're, you're and doing gravy, the heavy lifting. Country, of this. <laughs> yeah, country fried steak, country ham, bacon, sausage. I mean, mm-hmm. all this stuff, yeah. fried okra in the morning, Yeah, you know, <laughs> chocolate pies were already on the stove <laughs> and a big pile of hoe cakes, which yeah. is why I love hoe cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that big pile of hoe cakes is also why I've kind of started diving into the history of foods, Mm -hmm. which has made things way more fun and interesting for me. Yep. Um, and it, it kind of gives people a reason to have me out to like Boone Hall, wine under the oaks, not because I'm the best shrimp and grits guy, but I'm the one guy in town that's telling everybody that it's a 5,000 year old recipe from the, Mm -hmm. you know, you're geeking out on the the story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people think that it came from an article in the Charlotte Observer in 1984, <laughs> and that's not the case. Shrimp and grits are way yeah, older than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, and you know, food history around here too. Like, you're in the perfect place. Oh, it's for insane. It, right? Like, yeah. um, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was really excited about doing our restaurants here from Charlotte is um, like getting to dive into that whole right. like food culture, and and, there, and there's so many layers of it here too. You know, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, Charleston in general, just with regards to history, mm-hmm. um, every everything you do here is going to have some sort of historical tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we're talking about Darius's house down there. Yep. Knowing the history of that house now is pretty pretty insane. I don't know the history of the house. That house was actually a vault for the church across the street oh, for like a hundred years. So in Super the back cool. of that, the whole house was run down. Uh, the back room now, which is his music room, uh, was the actual vault. So it's like four oh, foot yeah. thick concrete walls. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty sick. That is dope. Yeah. So we were, we were joking. So you, you obviously cook for Darius Rucker. Yeah. So going back to my Nashville roots, yeah. my dad had some bars and, and stuff in Nashville. And so we, we know a lot of people in the music business. Um, gotcha. And, uh, I think Mark Bryan w- would be considered a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met probably 10 or 12 years ago. Um, you know, save our Susie or share our Susie. Yeah. So Susie was supposed to take pictures at our wedding. Okay. Uh, when she, they found polyp tumors, you know, the, the cancer came back from her mm-hmm. breast cancer surgery or whatever. And so, uh, we put on this event at Goldbug. I emceed and Mark was the music. Uh, and we met at that event and oh, have cool. been great friends ever since. Yeah. That's um, cool. But because of my dad's ties and, and then Mark, we've just gotten into, um, well, and our love for music. I'll say yeah. that right off the rip. Uh, we've gotten into cooking for a lot of the artists. Yeah. Um, I've got a ton of songwriter friends that, uh, that set me up. Philip Lamons called me last year. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? Some Monday. And I had charters all week and then I had something to do on Sunday. He said, uh, what are you doing Saturday? I said, I can't answer that question too. Yeah. Cause I know yeah, yeah. that whatever you're asking me about is yeah. not, you know, do you want to grab pizza? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's and, like, no, uh, I don't have time for ice cream. Yeah, so he's we like, have well, to I'm sitting something. here with Lee Bryce. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and he really wants a down home Southern barbecue meal backstage at credit one yeah. on Saturday night. Can you pull it off? I'm like done. Yeah. It's a done deal. Make it yeah. happen. Yeah. So we had the cystic fibrosis tournament on Friday and Saturday. I'm the MC for that, uh, fish the tournament and the MC. So it's a full day yeah. thing. 
And uh, I had my guys go over there and, and, you know, Donnie Oliver, I don't know if you know Donnie or not. Mm-hmm, no. Uh, he works for PFG now, but was with okay. um, U.S. Foods forever. Yeah. Had used to own Grills Gone Wild. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so Donnie went over and got all set up, and then I came later, and, and we had a, a blast. The concert was over at like 11, and uh, I have pictures on my phone from 1150. Uh, we're still, me and Lee Bryce on the back of the the 40-foot smoker. Mm-hmm. It's got an eight-foot firebox, and we've got – a uh, hundred of cricket selects on there with wet burlap and sea salt roasting, you know, just real deal roasting oysters. Yeah. I hate steamed oysters. Yeah. yeah. Just roast the oysters. Just roast Come them. On. Or call it an oyster steam. Yeah. Don't call it an oyster roast. If you're going to roast them it, in put a pot some heat steam. on it. Right. They steam seafood <laughs> yeah. in New England. That's right. You roast oysters down here. Right. You know, car hoods and burlap <laughs> and a fire. So that was, so I'm glad you brought up New England. That was the impetus for our, for Tempest restaurant. Right. So really? we, because we, because we had church and union, right. Crushing. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do another restaurant here. And so we took over the space next door to church and union. And my partners and I were, uh, we wanted to do seafood. We're like, okay, so how do we do, we didn't want to do another oyster bar. There's right. plenty of oyster bars around. There's great oyster you can bars. You put oysters on the menu. Yeah, exactly. And, there, and there's great oyster houses in Charleston already. Like we don't need to come in and do that. Right. We're not going to be able to do it different or special right 167 raw prize yeah you they, know, they you don't want to compete it. with that yeah why, why would we want to deal with that so so i was st- like in my head i'm trying for me sustainability farming and all that stuff super important mm-hmm. right being a food guy and um and cory and i actually had a farm for a while so i'm like super into sustainability so i knew it was going to be local stuff and i'm like how do we do seafood that nobody else is doing and I'm from New England. You made liver mousse. Yeah, <laughs> I made liver mousse. I made monk liver mousse. Still my favorite yeah, thing. Monk liver yes. mousse. Awesome. And um, so the idea was like, you know, I grew up on like the clam bakes and like the the like the bakes on the on the um on the shore. Yeah. And so I was like, well, we can't, I don't how do we do like an oyster roast inside? And so we ended up getting that. Mibrasa oven, which is mm-hmm. like that Spanish charcoal oven, like a like a Jasper type situation. Yeah, it's got. Do you go up and down? Yeah, it yeah. just it basically has like like cast iron grill grates. Oh, that's right. In, yeah. in like a in a cast iron box, but it's a live fire. Yeah, though. it's yeah. charcoal. It's yeah. a charcoal fire joint. And man, that thing. So I got to cook on one of those. I called these guys. I was like, "Hey, let's see this thing." And that thing is so amazing for seafood. Oh yeah, because charcoal has that subtle flavor. You, you know, can't it's not that. It. Like, yeah, it's not like that hard wood smoke from like from like barbecue, but it's like that subtle. Um, you man, cannot and, replace. And it. I was like, "Oh, we're doing a we're doing oyster roast inside." Yeah, and that that's what we do, man. We get all crickets oysters. Awesome. We just pop them in there and like blast them for thirty seconds, and it's amazing. Hell yeah, yeah, cool. Um, Little um, boogers. Yeah, <laughs> they are, aren't they? I love them, man. His his oysters are the best on the planet. Uh, there's another company that uh, you know, Cosmo Goss Mm-mm. used to be at uh, uh, Publican. And wrote the Publican cookbook in Chicago. Mm-mm. Anyway, uh, we do restaurant consultations together. Okay. Another facet of the business that we started. Cool. Um, anyway, he he builds all the restaurants and does all the menus for that other restaurant company. It's the only other oyster. You're going to have to help me with the name, but you know them. They're the only other oyster around that's real similar to crickets. They're from New England. Uh, if you said it. Shoot. What? You had them with us that night. What were they called? No. Man. They're from New England. Yeah, they're amazing, and they're real small. They're like oh, they're like the Yamamoto ones or whatever. Yeah. Um. Shit. I don't know. There's Island Creek. Is it Island Creek? Creek? It might be Island Creek. Man, they were so good. There's so many. There's so many oysters I've had. This like the loco cups. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Like, I'm so tired of blue points. Yeah. They're just, just well, they're just everywhere. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like the brand has just gotten to be yeah. like, it's, it's recognizable people. But it did take the Apalachicolas out. Yeah. Which I can't stand. Those yeah. in Louisiana. Those yeah. Hammers, the honking. Great day. You gotta, those are stew oysters <laughs> to me. You know, you gotta cut those up. Have you ever had the, uh, the Malpex? Those uh, are huge. Those are from Canada think, and they're, yeah, they're, they're big. Like you got to chew them. Yeah. I'm not like there's, <laughs> yeah. Um, oysters are a texture pretty... person. That big oyster is not for you. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do love oysters though. What is, what is, let's go back to the history thing real quick. Yeah. What is your, what is your favorite historical dish that you, that inspires you to cook something? Absolutely. Shrimp and grits. And I know yeah. it's such a cliche dish to say Why? around here. Um, because it's such the history of it's so little known. 
uh, especially at this day and age where people are so concerned with whether or not history is going to be um, influential in the future or if it's a detriment to know it or mm. to learn it or if it's considered an insult to discuss it. You know, it's at the forefront of everything right now. Just mm -hmm. the, the racial insecurities. Um, people that aren't uh, African-American sometimes feel like they can't talk about things that are African-American when in all actuality, if you talk about them with respect mm -hmm. and with a little bit of knowledge instead of ignorance, yep. um, you're paying homage. Right. And one of the things I love about Shrimp and Grits is that almost everything in Shrimp and Grits came from the West Coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and I love telling my friends that they're African-American that didn't know that, you know? Mm -hmm. A, it lets them know that I, I care about their heritage and their mm -hmm. history because it, it's all of ours. Right. It, you know, that history doesn't just belong uh, to African-Americans because sure. all of our families, if you're from the South, in some way, shape or form, uh, had an elbow in it, you know, at some point. Sure. Um, whether it be good or bad, mm -hmm. negative or positive. Um, you know, I, I've been we filmed an episode for a pilot show. Uh, me and my buddy D breaks, uh, was the basis for suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and bad English. Yeah. And a couple other bands, uh, black guy from the West coast, redneck from the East coast. And we talk about things that make other people uncomfortable. Sure. Because it's not, I'm right. You're wrong. I want to learn from you mm -hmm. and you want to learn from me. So he also loves fishing. I love music, but I'm horrible at it. He's horrible at fishing. What's your, what's your instrument? Uh, I played drums growing up. Okay. Uh, and he threw me into that, uh, unbeknownst to me that that was going to happen in that pilot episode. Yeah. Uh, I Surprise. didn't show out, but yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't break anything and I kept a pretty good rhythm for a few minutes. So <laughs> I surprised myself even also the drum set's a lot, uh, smaller to me now than it was relatively back then when I was 10 years old, <laughs> Yeah, right. you know, back yeah. then I'm like banging on stuff yeah. up here yeah. and it sounded great. <laughs> um, so, you know, we talk about on that show, cultural misappropriation with regards to music. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know that was a thing until we started talking and it made me start thinking about mm. food yeah. in the same respect. Yep. Um, so shrimp and grits has become that thing that I want to go do demos with it. Um, I feel like it's a real easy dish. You know, with fishing and not to get tangential, but with fishing, there's a day when things just click mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you don't have to think about every little thing that you've been writing, hopefully writing down in your journal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to do that day until I hit the head pin, mm -hmm. see what the wind's doing, see what the water looks like. Where's the bait? You know, talk to a couple people on the phone, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, cooking while I was in L.A. kind of clicked. Mm. I don't measure to bake anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I want to bake, you know, if I want to make a tiramisu bake, yeah, or bake a cake, opera cake, you best, measure, make a, you best measure, but I make a lot of cho <laughs> like chocolate Coca-Cola cakes, yeah. like Justine's kitchen. Right. I don't measure anything. Yeah. You know, I make, uh, a, so if a you put Coca-Cola in it, you don't need to measure. You just don't but eat milk. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're measuring kind of, if yeah. it's a 12 ounce can, right? You already know it's yeah, 12 ounces. Yeah. You're looking at, yeah, you're, so you are measuring a cup and a half, right? So you are measuring. Without measuring. Yeah, I got it. You know, but you know, there's yeah. a lot of people that would pour that can into a cup. Yeah. <laughs> to see if it's an actual, you know what I'm saying? Do they do that on MasterChef? No. <laughs> put that shit right into the cup? No, believe it or not, on MasterChef, they had a lot of things measured out for you. Really? Uh, yeah, because the whole uh, thing was, we're not going to make you waste your hour measuring. Yeah. We know you know we, how to we measure. We need you to get in there and burn some stuff. Right. So there was a lot of things already measured out. You know, yeah. they had the little, the little, uh, the little wine crafts, the tiny ones. Yeah. They're, I guess, six ounces. Yeah. So they, just so they would have six ounces of cream or whatever. Yeah. So they just didn't want you wasting time doing stuff that they knew you already knew how to do. You, mm. you can add two and two. Yeah. Um, so all that being said, uh, and I did get tangential. Sorry. That's all it's good. always a, it's always a misnomer when I say I don't want to be tangential. Yeah. yeah. I'm 100% going to be yeah, tangential. Yeah. Like. It's like, it's I don't mean setup. to be an asshole. You know you're about to be an asshole <laughs> yeah, when you say that. For sure. Um, That's why I never say it anymore. I just surprise people. Just <laughs> boom, right out the gate. Uh, no, so D-Breaks and I got to talking about the, the music. Yeah. And uh, so now that's when I do the shrimp and grits. So uh, I educate people about grits. People think you have to measure grits and it's such a, yeah, no. I've never measured grits, yeah. man. Uh, and I learned that on the show with Polenta. Like, mm -hmm. I never cooked Polenta in my life. Yeah. Uh, until we got out there and they didn't have grits. I was like, I guess I have to cook Polenta, you know? I find that like when you, when you get too exact with cooking, you end up fucking it up. Or taking right? the fun out of it. Yeah. You know? because or like, not learning. Well, like with something like Polenta or, or grits, like if you, if you measure four to one or whatever, right? You end up scorching the shit out of it because it gets dry. It. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to add more. Like just, you just got to go with it. Just like put if it's the not, cream and the chicken stock in a pot. Yeah. Bring it to a roll boil. 
Put your grits in, whisk it, yeah. put it on low, yeah. put the lid on it, and five and, minutes later, just turn it off. Yeah, and if it starts to dry up, you just add, add a little more stock. More. Yeah, just put a little more in there. And uh, that's one afraid. of the things I teach people too. Always yeah. have hot stock on the stove. Yeah. If you can't have hot stock, have hot cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, the risotto. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't ever want to add uh, something that's going to bind it up. Right. Uh, I also just throw in like eight ounces of goat cheese to two cups of grits. Mm. Uh, that goat cheese creams it creams it right up and it doesn't set up as fast so that's one of the things i teach people is making grits if you're gonna live down here you gotta know how to make grits yeah um but then i teach them how the portuguese took uh actual grits mm-hmm. uh from south america to west africa mm. you know people yep. think that grits came from maize from native americans mm-hmm. false mm-hmm. maize and grits are completely different just like grits and hominy are completely different. Mm-hmm. Now you could hominy and maize yeah. might be interchangeable, sure. but the whole dried grits thing yeah. was something from West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, okra, for instance, West African, Nile River Basin. Yep. Um, do you put okra in your shrimp and grits? I do. I split them in half and charm. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, are are, they, are they always in there? No, if they're available. So in your shrimp and grits, what are the what are the what what are the key components? Well, I also for, tell for people that there's southern grits, yeah. sh- southern shrimp and grits, yeah, and restaurant shrimp and grits. Okay, gravy shrimp and grits, non gravy shrimp and grits. Okay, you can get the snob shrimp and grits if you want, or yep. the magnolia shrimp and grits if you want. If you come to my house, you're gonna have, it's gonna be it's gonna have some gravy. So, what's, so it's you gotta gonna have, have your gravy, gravy at your yeah, house. You gotta have onions, peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I tend, typically I'll put a jalapeno in there chopped up just because I like a little, little bit of spice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, I saute all that down. I hate crunchy veggies in my. You cook grits. it way down. I cook all that way down. What are you cooking it in? Uh, butter. Okay. Yeah, Always got to be butter, right? Yeah, three quarter you're not heat an olive oil butter. Guy. You're like. Pfft. Not for shrimp and grits, no. <laughs> yeah. Now, you could do oil and butter if you want. Okay. I feel like it's a little redundant. You know, there's some things people do that for. I'm just not that guy. That's <laughs> all right. Now, I may no. be saying, you might be sitting over there going, this guy know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I, if I I'm say something it, incorrect, man. let me know. No, no, you're, I'm into it. I'm here to learn too. <laughs> this is about this is about your recipe. So I just, I'm taking I, notes over here. I do onions, <laughs> onions, peppers, a little bit of jalapeno, um, salt and pepper, uh, and we cook it down in the butter and then, you know, I do the shrimp in a separate pan, mm-hmm. um, high heat, salt and pepper. And, uh, I do use some grapeseed oil for that just mm-hmm. to keep it from getting smoky, you know? And then I put it all in the pan and I just add heavy cream Yeah, and let it thicken on its own. And, uh, so it's not like a roux gravy. Yeah. It's just a subtle, just thick enough t- that it's not all around the grits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that it's probably excess. I don't need to do that much, but I'm known for being extra with everything yeah. I do. Do you do tomatoes or no tomatoes? I do. I do pop cherry tomatoes, cherry yeah. tomatoes, you know, cherubs or something like that. And do you cook the, you cook those down like all the way or do I you just, like them chunky? I, I cook them until they pop and yeah. then char a little bit. Mm. And then that way, when you put them in the pot, and you're, I mean, in the pan and you're yeah. flipping them, if they, some of them are going to bust, uh, you still you get, get the texture juice, of a whole one because you get, you get, the get the that umami out. bomb yeah. out of it, you know? That's it. why I love the little tomatoes. What kind of shrimp? South Carolina shrimp from, all day long. From where? Tarvins. Give me a break. My man. Where else? I don't know. I'm where just else, asking, man? dude. You got to go Tarvins, man. Hell yeah. Best, uh, <laughs> and they get all their um, soft shells from David Richardson, who's a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, best soft shells on the planet. What's your take on grits? Do you have like a specific grit that you have to go with? Or can you can you kind of like... Some people are snobs about their rice. They're snobs about stuff like, oh, it's got to be this. Gotta I can be that. tell you which ones I like to cook. Tell me. Um, I mean. Are there any that you I, won't I like cook? Anson Mills. I yeah. like Anson Mills grits. They I do won't a great cook job. instant grits. Yeah. And I won't cook white grits. I don't understand white grits. <laughs> they, they just, I just didn't grow up eating white grits. Like, I hate the idea of Waffle House. I just house, got a vision of you scratching grits. your head in the grocery store looking at that. Like, just... Huh. No, if I'm scratching my head on the grit side, I'm like, where are the lakeside grits? Yeah, the like little yellow jar of lakeside grits. They moved them. They're not here anymore. That Kroger took them out of all Kroger's and all Harris Teeter's. It drives me bananas. So where do you shop now? Did you just uh, give up nobody on Nobody in town. No, I order them online. <laughs> yeah. I really do. No I order order a case at a time for like 125 bucks. All right. For lakeside so, grits. So Anson Mills is your go-to. Anson Mills is a great grit. It's a is little bit Is there a thicker. reason for Anson Mills? Uh, I like anything local, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to support local businesses, local farms. Uh, my buddy Paul Quattlebaum has a farm now. Um, he's gotten me into doing uh, Midland's mm-hmm. rice grits. Yeah. Which I Love really like. It. Love um, it. A lot of the cooking that you're doing now. Because um, you're doing, you do a lot of cooking for um, 
like charities and events and things like that. And I think it's important to talk about that. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that part yeah. up. Um, so, well, I mean, we were talking about all the nasty shit. Now let's get into <laughs> let's like, talk the, about the good stuff. Now let's talk about what, what good food can do. Right. <laughs> um, so while I'm on the show, they pass out a piece of paper one day and they said, uh, on their, you know, who do who do we write the check to if you win? And, uh, I was like Southeast rescue and relief, uh, five, one C three. And I didn't have it yet, but I already had the paperwork in, um, so that that seed was already planted. You were yeah. Two thousand seventeen. Uh, we didn't know we were going to Texas for Hurricane Harvey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I started fishing tournaments on the Gulf Coast for redfish in two thousand nine, and uh, won a couple championships down there. And just had a ton of friends in that area from Louisiana, Texas area. And I was just tired of seeing these storms and just not knowing what to do. And of course, we hadn't had a, a bad one here since Hugo. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, you know, I just didn't know what to do. I was, when Hugo hit, I was 13. Mm -hmm. At 13 years old, you don't really know what to do to help yeah, other people. Yeah. You know, it's just not in the forefront of your mind. You're worried about how, to, how am I going to steal Don Russ baseball cards <laughs> from the hot stuff, you know? Exactly. So, um, which I never did, by the way. Uh, <laughs> for sure. You for yeah, sure never did that. Never did. <laughs> um, my, my wife and I went to uh, Triangle Charm Bar in Mount Pleasant, right by my house. Yep. And I, we put something out on Facebook, said, hey, we're going to put together a load of stuff to send down. So we really didn't know what to send. We're just, you know, whatever yeah. you got, toothbrushes, any, anything. And uh, a friend of ours, mom, responded on the thread and she said, you should go. I said, I can't go. It's, you know, it's September, October. I think it was October for that storm. Uh, right at the end of my busiest season, trying to save money up for January, February, which is a charter captain's plight. Mm -hmm. we're always trying to save money for January, February because mm. you just don't have that many trips and it's cold, miserable, yeah. whatever. And she goes, well, I'll pitch in the first 200 bucks uh, for fuel. What's your Venmo? And that question right there changed my life forever. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Uh, I told her the Venmo for Redfish Mafia and it's probably the first or second year we even had Venmo. And she said uh, she, she donated some money and other people saw it on the thread an hour later. Oh, on the Venmo thread where so, no, so on, on my, on my Facebook thread, they okay. saw my Venmo. Oh, okay. And, um, an hour later, my wife looks, she's, it was $5,500 in the Venmo. She goes, I think you got to go to Texas. So, uh, and I that's from other people starting yeah, to, to just tag, tag along people trying to mm -hmm. put 15, 20, you know, 30, yeah. $40 in there to help any, any amount. Yeah, yeah. And, um, at that point in time, taxes weren't even on my radar. It was like, how yeah. are we going to do this? How, you know, it was just like, let's get the money. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And this girl named Sally uh, Durlat Myers called and she had married a friend of mine from, uh, from high school. So we knew her from way back. They had long since been divorced, but I hadn't seen her in like eight years. And it was a Sunday and she, she had been drinking rosé all day. <laughs> and she goes, James, what else she still calls have? me James. Yeah. <laughs> James, uh, when are you going to Texas? I said, what makes you think I'm going to Texas? She goes, well, I just saw, you know, the Venmo stuff and I'm pretty sure you're going to Texas. I know you well enough to know you're going to Texas. What time are you leaving? I was like, oh, I might leave, you know, two or three AM probably. Click. Phone hangs up. Ten minutes later she she calls back and she goes, uh, come pick me up. I'm like, Are you serious? She goes, Yeah, I want to go. I'm like, all right, cool. I asked my wife. My wife's like, Sally's got just the right amount of bitch in her to make <laughs> shit happen when I can't make yeah. it happen. Like when we're rescuing families. Yeah. And the dad doesn't want to go. Perfect example. Yeah. We rescued this family of the second story on the porch waters all the way up to the floor of the apartment building dad's you know smoking marlboro reds in his jean shorts drinking uh uh natural light <laughs> and i'm like hey y'all should get in the boat we're in a john boat on top of all the cars you know yeah he goes oh, my, my friend's coming in his truck to get us a man unless he stole bigfoot last night <laughs> yeah he's not he's not coming to get you and sally goes mama you want to put the kids in here i'll go ahead and take them up there and then y'all can come if you decide to yeah but i'm they, taking those kids be over with me here yeah up here to you to know to the safe. shelter to go yeah. be safe and yeah. two seconds later all four of them were in the boat right I'm not going to look at a mom and say, I'm taking your kids with me. No. Pretty sure you're 100% not allowed <laughs> not to do that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> on any account, any circumstance. Uh, so we we piled everything in the truck and went down there. We raised 32 grand in um, like five days. Wow. We uh, we taught some churches how to get more bang for their buck with regards to feeding people. Mm -hmm. Put a house on an orphanage. Um, we rescued 180 people out of their houses uh, and two dogs, one of which I still have. 
Uh, his name's Beaumont because we were in Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, we named the other one Harvey. He died seven months later from cancer. But uh, I take solace in the fact that it was the best seven months he'd ever had because both those dogs were severely mistreated. Yeah. Um, we had to chop his leg off within a week of having him home. Oh, bummer. Yeah, from cancer that nobody treated. Like, oh, big really? Knee. Yeah. So uh, we've always been big into rescuing animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so happens we got into rescuing people too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they happen to be with the animals. So yeah. You're like, all right, come on, yeah. let's go. <laughs> and then somewhere uh, there's a hurricane every year. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Some, the Gulf Coast or Bahamas. some other or some other. Did you so, go? Did you go down to the Bahamas for that whole thing? And and herein lies the real answer to, to your question. That's Man. when cooking took a turn. It was right after MasterChef. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still airing. Yep. Um, and I showed up. So w- my wife's family has a house in Hopetown. Stark and his girlfriend got to go with us in in August. Uh, the, the the island's not real big. It's Elbow Bay yeah. and Abaco. Yep. Literally the epicenter for the hurricane it would be like mcclellanville in in hugo yep it just banged so hard on this island every fourth house was gone i'm saying when i say gone you couldn't even tell there's a house there yeah everything was gone everything was twisted not an ounce not a green leaf on the island like everything was gone mm-hmm. and uh i showed up I, we got on reddit and saw an over a drone some drone footage overhead footage and, of, of like after the aftermath yeah and the house was still there family house was still there really no porches yeah. house is still there and you know every house there has generators yeah um there's power but bpl bahamian power and lights is super uh for lack of a better term um you, 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 unreliable yeah so uh i knew that there would there'd be somewhere to stay inside yeah uh i called some friends of mine that own half moon um they're like we still didn't have power here mm-hmm. i had to wait on the storm to get through here yeah to before get, we went down there yeah um, and, uh, I went and helped Ben Berryhill cut down a, a tree that had fallen in his parking lot, went to half moon and with flashlights, they loaded me up with everything I needed to be self-sustaining on the beach, uh, survive on my own. I'm talking about like urine filtration kits, saltwater filtration kits, tablets for drinking water, mosquito nets, tents, yeah. the whole nine. And so I packed all that stuff up into two big, you know, backpacks. Um, still didn't know how I was going to get there, mm-hmm. but I was bound and determined. And then a buddy of mine calls and this is the whole, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the right plan, uh, as far as, you know, your integrity and whether you're doing the right thing, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Buddy of mine called this, a lawyer in Orangeburg and he's, was a partner on a plane and they were flying down. They had a place in treasure. Um, but we had to land at treasure airport. There's still four feet of water in Marsh Harbor. Yeah. So on day four, I flew down. My wife put, uh, in my cooler backpack, um, put a bunch of insulin mm-hmm. because she knew somebody's going to need it. Yeah. And she didn't know that I was going to need it as a bartering tool to get to, ah. I had to use that insulin to trade a, for a boat ride mm. to get to Hopetown. Wow. And when I got off the Island, a guy from here, Mike Haig is, he was the head of the fire department right then. Yeah. Uh, he was like, Jamie, we had a guy cooking from, you know, from the end just left. There's nobody to cook for the 280 people, 300 people left on the Island. Yeah. Um, will you help us? Like just right up my alley. I didn't yeah. know what I was going to do to help. Yeah. Went to the house, generator fired right up. Uh, so we were the only house on that whole end of the island that had power and AC. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, we were letting all the all the dudes from the uh, military go in and, and catch a break yeah. when they were doing search and rescue. Uh, so at this point, they haven't even looked in the houses yet to see if anybody died. Wow. Like it was that soon after. Yeah. And we set up two soup kitchens, uh, one at Firefly Resort, yep. one at the Sailing Club on the North End. And in 13 and a half weeks, uh, we did 165,000 free meals. Wow. Um, That's awesome. On day five, I'm in a golf cart with this cat. Uh, we had, there was a guy on the island with heart problems. We're trying to get him out of there. Nobody would come get him. There was one helicopter flying around. Lo and behold, World Central Kitchens. Mm. So they land on the island to pick this guy up, Buddy, who's now since passed away. But uh, this guy gets in my cart and he's like, man, you look familiar. I was like, well, you know, I was just on MasterChef. <laughs> He goes, no, you look familiar. Do you, do you live in Charleston? You fish for, you know, for redfish. I was like, yeah. He goes, man, I fished with you like 10 years ago. Crazy. Josh Phelps, number three guy at World yeah. Central Kitchens. Oh, uh, wow. Cool. So Small after we world. ran out of all the stuff from the freezers on the island, yep. World Central Kitchens sent us our ingredients for free nice. for like nine and a half weeks. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and those guys are they've doing done it for every hurricane. Incredible work. Man. Yeah. Man. It's crazy what they're doing. Jose's such a, such a great dude. Yeah. 
uh, and similar beginnings, you know, didn't mm -hmm. know what to do to help. Yeah. So let's figure out a way to take money from people who have money and no way to help mm -hmm. and use that to get stuff for people who have no way to get it and no money to get it. Yeah. You know, let's, let's bring these people together. These people, I don't have all this money to go help, yeah. but I have a lot of friends who have a lot of money and they don't have the time to go help right. mainly because they're making all this money. I think, right. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, I, which is why I have so much free time. I'm not making <laughs> yeah. all this money. That's how that works. Yeah, I think so. You know, well, I got to get back to work. Direct then. correlation. <laughs> um, so that, you know, that's the whole cooking for mass quantities. Yeah. Um, which is why it's like, it doesn't make me nervous to go wine and food, mm -hmm. you know, 1100, 1200 servings is not a big deal because I'm used to doing that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Uh, obviously poor, on a different our, level with us quality. Poor, us, us poor restaurant guys get hammered. For, you're like yeah. shucking We're an oyster like, per person. I'm like, how do you do yeah, it, man? Yeah. I'm over here with two, you know, 15 gallon pots of gumbo. Like, yeah. this is easy. Like, we got it. We got it. Keep, keep them coming. That's um, awesome. So, you know, that, that was the humble beginning to the nonprofit. Nice. Um, and so, you know, 2019 kind of spearheaded that. And then I, I came home off the show and people were like, Hey, will you come cook for us? So it was an instant, uh, resume builder. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know how it was for you guys. Y'all were already chefs. We were all supposed to be home cooks. Mm -hmm. So we actually had cooking classes three or four days a week. Most people don't know. Oh, so it'd be Gordon's yeah. team. Uh, you remember the show he had where they pulled up outside a restaurant with this big food trailer? Yeah. That whole team was in that food trailer, Mary and all that. Yeah, they yeah. were, they were the people teaching us, gotcha. uh, three or four days a week, but they wouldn't teach us just to be clear what we were cooking. Yeah. It would just be like today's dessert day. Right. Anything you want to learn about desserts, yeah. ask us whatever. Right. Today's we'll, get, sauce we'll give you guys day. pointers. Or like, give you know, most people haven't cooked veal chops. Yeah. That we would come in, there'd be like ostrich, veal, you know, skirt yeah. steak or flank steak, chop, you know, cuts of meat that most people don't cook on a regular basis. Right. Um, and so you learn a lot doing that, uh, which helped with regards to, yeah, I'll come make Osabuco for you tomorrow night. Yeah. Let's, and then, you know, I turned to him. I'm like, we got to figure out how to make Osabuco. <laughs> so we have a lot of really good practice. Grab that cookbook over there. Yeah. Let's get busy. Little did I know how, how convenient a pressure cooker would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, we're, we're at an hour, so I want to wrap things up. But um, any last things that you want people to know? Obviously, how to book, how to book with you guys. Um, how do, do you take donations for, for the charity? All that stuff. Let us know how we can do that. Yeah, so get in touch uh, with you and if you want to book a fish and charter, um, you can by go, the way, you need to teach me how to catch fish. That's what I'm here for, man. Because like, that's what I do. I mean, I can tie the hook. Let me on. tell you the number one thing: you just got to go. You just got to go. You, got, you can't catch them here. You know, you <laughs> got to right. go. Fishing. You just got to go out there. All right. Cool. Um, so, uh, if you want to go fishing, you can go to redfishmafiacharters.com. Uh, for the apparel, you can go to theredfishmafia.com. Uh, for the nonprofit, if you want to volunteer, make donations. Um, you know, you can volunteer. We have a, a group of Swiftwater rescue trained airboat guys that cool. go in and do the rescuing and then we feed them afterwards. So there's a whole array of things that people can volunteer for. You're going to be heavily vetted. Uh, so if you've had any psychological issues in the past, don't even get on the website. We've had to deal with that a couple of times. Mm. Costs us more to fly somebody home to, you know, the second day yeah. than it does for them to just go for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but you can go to Southeast rescue and relief. Uh, I think it's southeastrelief.org is the website now we had to change it because the insurance company didn't like the rescue part mm. so it's southeastrelief.org okay it's understandable. southeast relief relief.org relief yep um cool and then for the i have a really odd business model for the cooking uh no website yeah really no phone number uh word of mouth you know i'm trying to create a false demand yeah. Uh, and limited supply. So we just, we just call up Darius and be like, Hey man, can you get me, that's the whole thing. Can you get me up with Jamie? That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh perfect example. Um, we just booked uh, next Friday for a hundred people for a graduation party at Joe Rice's farm. Nice. And, uh, the guy that called is Jamie Marchant and he is the auctioneer. Oh, cool. That does Monday after the masters, which is Darius yeah. and Hootie's thing that okay. we ride in Myrtle beach. Yeah. Yeah. That word of mouth yep. is that's, you know, it's like the circles just keep like, yeah. Symbiosis. Cause I really like cooking for people that I know. Yeah. Uh, they're way more apt to say, Holy shit. That's good. Yeah. Which is, and they, they it's really appreciate why I'm down it. for it. I really like to hear that. Holy shit. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, and they're not afraid to give you some criticism when you ask, right. Give you some feedback. Yeah. Hey, those shrimp are a little, little dry this time. Gotta have yeah. Well, they're never gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's on that, You gotta have that curl rate. <laughs> yeah. That curl rate's gotta yeah. be just right. No, um, you know, I've really enjoyed the cooking and yeah. meeting guys like you, yeah, uh, and Bob Cook and, and Ben Berryhill, and just the reception that I've gotten. And I think part of that's because, uh, you know, I know I'm not a chef. I don't know what the definition is. I think the minute you get paid, technically, mm -hmm. you're a chef at that point. 
I love the whole yes chef showing everybody in the kitchen respect. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that mine? My alarm clock. That's you got to go. I got to call. Time to time got, to work. Now I got to find out where we cook yeah. on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so I, I really like the whole yes chef and how it shows everybody in the kitchen respect. Yeah. Uh, but I hate being called chef Yeah. because there's so many other people out there that are so much more qualified than I am. Right. You know, I might be better at maybe one thing, uh, whereas somebody else is better than me at 99 other things. Yeah. Um, but you know, the reception that I've gotten and being able to come in and stage for a night, even though I'm never going to come in and work. Yeah. Uh, go get but, yeah. access to that. But like Tyler, yeah. he's told me, you know, come yeah. in anytime you want to, uh, I've staged with Ben and staged with, with Bob Cook and, um, you know, Bob and I now do barbecue events together. Yeah, that's uh, cool. He doesn't consider himself a chef either, oddly enough. Yeah, that's he hates it. He yeah. hates the term. Um, and that's one of the things I love about it, man. And and somebody came up to me at this event we just did this weekend and they were like, you know, it's it's really nice to see you chefs helping each other out for change. And I was like, What do you mean? They're yeah. like, Well, it's usually so competitive. You know, you want your dish to be better than theirs. I'm like, no, I want the people to have the best possible dish yeah. from both of us. And if me helping him start his fire five minutes earlier helps him do that, then I'm going to take the torch over there and help him yeah. start the fire. I'm also probably going to tell him that he should start bringing a torch to a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, thing, like, but, hey, do you have you at know, least have a lighter or something? Yeah, like, what's up, dude? what it is. <laughs> Need some plus, bro. Exactly. So I'm, I'm really just happy to be uh, a part of this new community. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just hope it, you know, I get more and more in depth with it. Yeah. And well, keep, keep doing good people. stuff with it, man. I mean, I think that's the key, right? Like, yeah. I think if you, if you do good stuff with food and, and, you know, you try to put great food in front of good people, you can't really go wrong. Right. And then cook with people that are better than you. It's just like sports. Yeah. Unless you play Surround with people better than you, with, yeah. you're not going to get any better. Surround yourself with good people. Yeah, a good exactly. Way. Cool, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Brother, thank I love hearing your story. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Good luck with everything. I hope you get that motor back soon because we got to go out. Oh, I think I'm picking some, up on Monday. Get some reds, man. Let's, Let's go. Right on. Thanks, dude. Thank you.